everybody. Welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And we're here with Statman Jason Statman. Shoemaker. Um, so in 1890, when the United States government first started tracking work, workers' hours, the average work week for a full-time manufacturing employee was 100 hours. Damn. That's 17 hours a day for a six-day work week or about 14 and a half hours for a seven-day work week. 14 and a half hours every day. That's crazy. never-ending cycle. Pretty much. So this is obviously not the case today. Today we have an eight-hour established work day, 40-hour work week, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the establishment of the eight-hour work day, the 40-hour work week, and, you know, how that came about, what's out there today, why this is a good thing, why this is a bad thing. We're going to talk about all that stuff, okay? So around 1880, after essentially a depression in this country that was triggered by a, an 1873 stock market crash, uh, there were lots of of worker advocate groups out there, unions out there, um, who started to push pretty heavily for an eight hour workday, um, and and the belief at the time was that shortening the workday to eight hours would reduce unemployment by spreading work among more people. Oh. Okay, that was the that was the idea of this yeah. was to get out of this depression, get out of this this economic downturn by increasing the workforce through reducing the work yeah. day. So okay. spreading spreading the wealth basically. Yeah, exactly. So instead of instead of one guy working a 16-hour day, two people could yeah. work 8-hour days. Yep. Right? So this is where this is where the push came from. Um and and this this turned into uh lots of strike activity from unions because of course business pushed back on it saying of course you know, we don't we don't want to hire two people when we can hire one person. Yeah. They work right? them to death. Yeah. So um strikes happen um the establishment of uh what was the name of the union? The Knights of Labor. Okay. The Knights of Labor were probably the biggest labor union in those days in the late 1880s. Um and they they started advocating for a national general strike in favor of the eight hour workday. Wow! So this is something that's pretty foreign to us nowadays. A national strike because we actually it have, is. yeah, we have we have contractual language and laws against these sympathy strikes. Yeah. So one industry can't strike in in sympathy of another. So national strikes are something that don't happen in the United States anymore. Um, it's a European thing now. But um, sometimes but they then, should. Oh, for sure. <laughs> sometimes they should. they should. Yes, I agree. More often. So uh, so this was the push, right, for a for a general strike um, for the eight hour workday. And and these groups actually got together and they established a deadline. They said May first, eighteen eighty six. This is the deadline. You give us the eight hour workday, or the national strike is coming. Right? Everybody, every union worker in America yeah. is going to walk off the job. Yeah. And that was a big deal back then. Yeah. Right. The mantra that they used was eight hours of work, eight hours of rest, 
and eight hours for what you will. I like that. Right? So split the day up into three eight-hour segments. One of them was for work. One of them was for rest. And one of them was for, you know, leisure activity, whatever you wanted to do. Okay? A number of eight-hour strikes broke out ahead of time with almost a quarter of a million people participating nationwide. Yeah. So, so this was kind of unorganized, right? Yeah. It, it was it was organized, but unorganized, right? Yeah. There were some rogue groups out there that said, "Hey, we're not waiting for May first. Yeah. We're, we're gonna we're gonna go on strike." Yeah. Yeah. The heart of the eight-hour movement was in Chicago, where thousands had already won reduced hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, so so eight hours um, was kind of established in Chicago. It wasn't widespread, but okay. it was it was established. Um, and and I, I think it was May first. Yeah. Um, sorry, it was May first when ten thousand people went on strike just in Chicago alone. So ten thousand workers walked off the job when that when that May first deadline. Um, came about and this was this was it's known now as may day may day yeah so these folks went on on strike in chicago it was peaceful um until it wasn't yeah tensions between law enforcement and demonstrators escalated as the strikes continued into the following days so on may 3rd all hell broke loose yeah right what what happened on may 3rd at the uh, May 3rd action where unionists attacked men who had crossed the picket line, police opened fire, killing four demonstrators. Outrage over the killings triggered about 1,000 people to take to the streets that night. Remembered at the Haymarket Square rally also ended in bl- bloodshed. So if anybody knows anything about labor history, they know that Haymarket, they at least know the, the name Haymarket, right? I mean, Haymarket was... a a turning point in labor history. So Haymarket Square is where this rally happened, which is why we remember it as Haymarket now. Um, These workers were were angry um, about the police taking action against them and and killing some of their members. So, So our predecessors, union workers who were involved in a peaceful demonstration, and and yeah, it, when it's a peaceful demonstration, that doesn't mean that it's all kumbaya, right? Yeah, exactly. We're we're yelling and screaming about stuff, yeah. but it's but there's no violence, right? The cops see the tension between workers and employers, and yeah. and and they got they got kind of caught up in it. And they killed people, right? They yeah. killed some demonstrators, and so so we're mad about it. And we hold a rally at Haymarket to to demonstrate against what happened, and and that went really wrong. Yeah, um, Haymarket went really bad. So um, it's estimated um, about a thousand people were there. Who knows? Um, but it it got it got ugly yeah. um, right when the rally was kind of breaking up. Right yeah. there were there were speeches and and all that stuff. And and when the final speaker was finishing up, um, a, a bomb went off. Yeah, and it it killed at least one cop. Yeah, um, that's bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So almost immediately the 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 cops react. They open fire on the crowd. Yeah. Um. At least one unionist or one demonstrator died. Um, lots of people were were wounded. Eight 
of our folks, eight unionists yeah. were arrested yeah. in, in the following days and weeks. Um, they were arrested for the bombing and they were put on trial very quickly. Um, very little investigation happened. They were put on trial. It was a kangaroo court type of thing. Yeah. And they were all convicted because there was anger. And let's face it, back then, uh, you know, a a jury of our peers, um, we didn't have peers yeah. on those juries. The, the the juries were made up of well-to-do folks, business, business folks. So and, really— um, yeah against it, us yes absolutely in <laughs> this case absolutely against us so um they were convicted and they were hanged for um for bombing at this rally that's crazy so unfortunately this was this was a turning point in the wrong direction for us for our movement so our intent was to demonstrate was to take people off the job to strike in favor of the eight-hour workday. And and I believe to this day that, that this would have worked. Yeah, I think it would have. Had it not been for Haymarket. So a lot of unionists point to Haymarket and say, you know, this is uh, an example of union people laying down their lives for the cause. I don't necessarily see it that way. The The preceding event, I absolutely see that way. Yeah. When the cops shot four people who were peacefully demonstrating, those were folks who laid down their lives. But let's be honest about Haymarket. What happened at Haymarket was somebody on our side, somebody on the union side, set off a bomb and killed people. Yeah, That's the wrong way to go about getting what we need. Yeah, um, And it set us back decades. Yeah. The eight-hour movement died at Haymarket, and it, it wasn't resurrected for a good 20 years. So that was a, that was a terrible moment in, in labor history, no matter how you look yeah. at it, right? People died, and, and the cause that we were working for, they died in vain, Yeah, right? Because the cause that they were fighting for did not come to fruition. Yeah. So bad, bad, bad. Um, Fast forward to what's the next big event, um, the, the, the next big break for us in the eight-hour movement? The, uh, the Ford Motor Company. In 1926, the Ford Motor Company established a five-day, 40-hour work week for its workers. Yeah, um, and, and Henry Ford, he kind of um, misrepresented that whole thing. What did he say? He has a famous quote, doesn't he? It is high time to rid ourselves of the notion that leisure for working men is either lost time or a class privilege. So Ford gets out there and, and, and says, hey, I'm for the working man. But he also hated unions, correct? He sure did. Yeah. Um, he fought against unions all the time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's credited with a lot of things that— um, that were favorable for unions. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And and even to this day, he's looked at as kind of a hero yeah. to to working people. And and that's just not the case. He didn't make any decisions that weren't the best thing for his business. Yeah, absolutely. He, the two big things that he's credited with are the forty hour work week, yeah. which he did. That wasn't his idea. Um, and the the five dollar day. 
Yeah. Right? He was the first guy to pay $5 a day to his workers. Because he wanted his workers to be able to buy the cars that they were making. Yeah. It was it was all about selling cars. Yeah. Right? It was about keeping his workers there because they were going to migrate to other companies. Yeah. And, and selling them the cars that they were building. So... Um, so as far as the 40-hour work week goes, the eight-hour work day, it wasn't because he was for the working man and it's, a, it's high time that we establish this notion that, um, you know, um, that leisure time for working men is, is not lost time. That's, that's baloney. Yeah. No. Um, he didn't have an epiphany that, you know, workers are humans too. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He did not no, because this, this he did research, research right? Yeah. What, yeah. what did he What did he find in his research? Yeah, so he spent a lot of money researching this. And if you look at Ford, a lot of the advancements that they made were solely based on advancing the business. And the happy little things that happened for workers that were benefits along the way were just a side effect. It wasn't the primary goal. So he was looking at productivity, and what his research showed him is that the company was losing productivity and money after eight hours of work. So by scaling back, he could actually make more money and also claim the victory of caring about his workers. Right. So this is where, this is where shift work was, was established, and he realized that um, paying two workers the same hourly wage— Yeah. Was just as palatable, right? Yep. If if he could pay pay two people the same hourly wage for eight hours apiece, rather than one guy for sixteen hours, that was beneficial for him because he got more productivity out of yeah. two people than he did out of one. Yep, absolutely. So it, this was this was all about him making more money. Uh, so you know, in 1926, CEOs were feeding us the same line of crap that they are today yep not right? much has changed i'm for you i'm for you and they're not for us we talked about it last week about woke companies and yeah apparently henry ford was the first woke ceo you know he did a lot of different things one of the things they did is they shipped parts in wooden crates that he could then disassemble the crates and use the wood planks for four uh floorboards in the vehicles so <laughs> It's pretty ingenious. It sounds in in, the, in today's day and age, you think about you know being uh, environmentally conscious, yeah, and, and, you know reusing products. But back then, I mean, any way that he could pinch a penny to, yep. to increase his bottom line, he did. Yep. And listen, give him credit for being a, a an ingenious businessman because he was. He was yep. that absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, I, I want to be perfectly honest about this. Listen. The $5 workday at the time and the 40-hour work week were absolutely beneficial to workers, without question. It's what we wanted. Yeah. Um, but, but the point is that there is, there is recorded history and established documentation that Ford wasn't doing this for workers. Yeah. No. Right? So it's his statement that we take exception to. Right. That that he loves working men and, and, and that's why he was doing this. It's not why he was doing it. He was doing it for the for the better of the business, um, which I guess is fine. He was a brilliant businessman. He, yeah, knew, he was. He knew how to make cars and he knew how to make money making cars. Yeah. So good for him. But um, but let's be honest about how it happened and why yeah. it happened. Yeah, he wasn't the patron saint of workers. No, he, he was not. not the patron saint of workers. No. Um, and again, he was under a ton of pressure. This was in in 
this was when the push from unions for the eight-hour workday became really strong again, and he was relenting to that pressure because he had probably the biggest, most successful business in the country at the time, other than steel workers. Yeah. You know, steel companies were huge. Car companies were becoming huge. Um, and, and he knew that he needed to continue um, continue putting out cars, rolling cars off of that assembly line. Yeah, and being one of the biggest employers at the time, especially for you know hourly workers, that's what gave him the notoriety. He's he's remembered for these labor advances because he was in the hot seat at the time. It wasn't because yeah. he was fighting to advance workers' issues or trying to advocate to have like a, a more responsible workplace. It's just the the fact that he was in a position to bargain with the unions, and the unions were the ones that were pushing these advancements. Yep. So I guess, unfortunately, because it, it, it took Ford to, um, to really make other businesses turn their heads and say, okay, maybe the eight-hour workday isn't such a bad thing. And, you know, it, it, it relented all over the country. You know, the, the eight-hour workday was popping up all over the country um, in other businesses. So, you know, once again, big business in the United States ignored workers when they screamed and yelled and demanded this for their benefit, right, to live their lives. We were ignored, and when the genius Henry Ford did it, that's when other companies said, oh, okay, maybe we can do this. It's a good lesson that we need to remember. These companies aren't just going to go ahead and roll over and give you these things. These are things that you have to work towards and you have to demand, and you have to find ways that you're able to make what you're asking for makes sense for the business as well. Like we've said in other episodes, we have to have a profitable business in order to be profitable on our end as well. Um, no question. Every advance is, is fought for. No question. And listen, we, we had to continue to fight. Yeah. So it, it wasn't for another 14 years after Ford established that eight-hour workday at his company. It wasn't until 1940 that Congress passed an, an amended version of the Fair Labor Standards Act that limited the work week officially to 40 hours. Yeah. A five-day, 40-hour work week was established in law by Congress in 1940. So that's a long time to wait, right? It is it's a, a long, long time, time for, for some of our folks um, at smaller companies who were fighting, fighting, fighting for, yeah. for the same things that everybody at Ford um, had for 14 years. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they also at the same time passed in that law that you were allowed to bargain for uh, additional hours in the workday. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that we're still facing nowadays. You see a lot of pushes for alternate work week. You're seeing a lot of, we talked about it in Nabisco um, and the other strikes going on, the mandatory overtime, yeah. people working 60 hours a week. So these advances that we talked about way back Really, we're still fighting these battles. Um, and in some places, people are losing these battles. Yes, they are. Hmm. You mentioned alternate work week. Um, so, so let's talk about that because, yes. because that's, that's kind of the, a similar discussion, right? So the discussion is how to, how to change 
our work day, our work week, our hours um, to be more beneficial to yeah. us as workers, right? And and I think the whole purpose is to give us more time with our families, right? Yes. That's where the push comes from. More, either more time with our families or more time to rest and recover from working. Yeah. Right? So that, quite frankly, we're more productive workers while we're there. Yeah. So um, alternate work week is, is one of those things that, that people talk about. They're talking about it today. They were talking about it as far back as the 1960s. The concept of a four-day, 40-hour work week was talked about in the 1960s. It was a big deal. Um, you know, people wanted another day as a weekend. Yeah. However, believe it or not, unions pushed back on this. Um, and the reason that unions were pushing back on this was because we had already established that anything beyond eight hours in a day is paid at overtime rate, right? So yeah. overtime is past eight hours in a day. The four-day, 40-hour work week establishes a 10-hour day. And business said, hey, the 10-hour the day is fine, but we're not paying overtime past eight hours. Yeah. It's going to be 10 hours of straight time for four days. No good. Yeah, and the and unions pushed back on it. And this was again back in the '60s, late '60s, early '70s. This discussion was happening, um, and you know, so the the risks of a of that type of alternate work week remain the same today, right? The same issues that unions were bringing up back then remain today. Those risks are loss of overtime pay. Um, increased safety issues because you're asking people to work a longer work day. Um, employee fatigue because you're asking people to work a longer work yeah. day. Uh, increased tardiness and leaving early, right, because people get burned out. Yep. Um, and fewer productive hours. And that's a big one right there. I think it is a big one. Because th there are studies going on today, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but there are studies going on today um, relative to worker productivity throughout the day and, and what is that optimal uh, workday length. Yeah. Um, but unions, generally speaking, are still not in favor of this four-day, 40-hour work week, right? Because when we talk about reducing the work week, we're not talking about reducing the number of days worked. Yes. We're talking about reducing the number of hours worked. Yes. So unions, again, even back to when this discussion was happening uh, 60 years ago, 50 years ago, unions were in favor of a four-day work week, but they were in favor of a four-day, 32-hour work week. Yes. Um, but with no loss in pay. So if you're talking about a salary person, right, somebody's making $40,000 a year, they're working five days, eight hours a day, what the union said was the same $40,000 a year is going to be paid to the guy who's now working four days, eight hours a day, a 32-hour week. We're not going to lose pay for reducing the work week. Same as when we were talking about reducing the work week from 100 hours in a week to 40 hours yeah. in a week, right? It's the same argument. Um, you know, the bottom line is we're, we're making a product for you. If we continue making that product for you, the pay stays the same. Yeah. So 
Um, we've had questions about this. We've gotten emails from some of our members um, about discussing the idea of an alternate work week. And quite frankly, again, there are, there are issues that we as a union have with this. We're not willing to give up the concept of overtime is paid yes. after an eight-hour day, right? And um, the 10-hour the, the day over a four-day work week throws a monkey wrench into that. Um, and, and we understand that some of our members would like to do that. And, and we're respectful of that. Um, but, you know, this is a longstanding labor tradition of overtime gets paid after eight hours in a day. And we don't know how to, um, we don't know how to reconcile that with a four, with, with a four forty. Yeah. Right. So it's a discussion that we, we welcome our members to bring to membership meetings. Please, if you emailed us about this, please come to the next membership meeting, ask the question. Definitely. Right, because this is where the union hall and and union membership meetings are where those discussions should happen. Yes, they really are. We'll even give you a free lunch. There you yes, go. we'll give you a, a free, free lunch. lunch, a good lunch too. Yeah, yeah, really. very good lunch, Food a really good lunch. <laughs> so we're talking about um, just to to kind of um, divert from the discussion for a moment. Um, we recently did our, our first membership meeting with uh, a food truck, free food off of a food truck for members. And, and the members who were here r- really raved about the food. It was a great success. Yeah, I know that I had the food, and it was it was top three or four hamburgers that I've ever had in my life. Yeah, uh, and I'm not kidding. Good. I had two lunches that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely it was, worth it. It was very up. good. So, hey, if you like burgers, hot dogs, steak sandwiches, and things like that. Chicken come, sandwich was yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, didn't you tell me that the chicken sandwich was better than um, oh, yeah, Chick-fil-A? Yeah, hands down. The am best I chicken allowed, sandwich I've had. Am I allowed to say Chick-fil-A? I don't know. Well, we'll I just did. Out. So, Chick-fil-A... We have a better sandwich than yours. <laughs> or Micro does. Check out Micro. Yes. M-I-K-R-O. So, so really, come on down. Ask those questions at membership meetings because that's where these discussions should happen. And, um, and, and let's talk about it, right? Let's talk about the pros and the cons. And, and, and if you have an idea of how we can get there without compromising our core values as a union, then, then let's have that discussion. Yeah, okay? we should. So um, it, it, it brings us to other discussions, right? Because there are, there are things happening, like I mentioned. There are things happening all over the world yes. in terms of the workday. There are discussions happening right here in the United States, not necessarily for workers like us, because quite frankly, it's, it's a little harder for, for the company to accommodate a different work schedule for factory workers. We can't work from home. We yeah. can't flex our time, right? We can't come into work whenever we want and put a helicopter together and then go home, right? We 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 kind of do the type of work that requires an established shift, if you will. So difficult for us to to alter our work week or flex our work week really impossible for us to flex our work week um but listen there are discussions happening in lots of industries at lots of places um all over the world it's it's actually being established one in particular right Vinny? yes i iceland is experimenting with a alternate work week now iceland's kind of a small country in in compared to the united states their uh their workforce is only about two hundred thousand workers so it's like Lockheed Martin. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
86% of Iceland's working population has moved to a shorter work week or they have the right to negotiate negotiate a shorter schedule. So this is a, a, a pretty union-friendly country. Yes. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. Northern, yeah. is that Northern? Well, Nordic country. Yeah. This is the result of two trials that were done with 2,500 workers run by the Association for Democracy and Sustainability and the Think Tank Autonomy that they found this was a pretty successful thing with these 2,500 workers that they used. Workers went from went to a reduction uh, went down to about 35 or 36 36 hour week without any reduction in pay. So how were these studies done? Did they did they look at productivity yeah. as part of the study? Yes, they did. Okay. So that's the key, right? The 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 key to any of this stuff is I I think an employer would be much more inclined to consider a reduced work week if you can prove to that employer that they're not losing productivity. Yes, absolutely. That makes sense. Right? Because as a as a business owner, why would I agree to reduce your work week and n- not reduce your pay if I'm not getting equal productivity? Yeah, exactly. So that's the key, I think, is to is to study productivity and, and see how this affects you, uh, to see how this affects productivity. Um and 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 those studies are happening in this country. In fact, I read recently uh, of a study that was done that actually said that the sweet spot in in this particular study, the sweet spot is somewhere between five and six hours a day. Where, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, where I so like that. so theoretically, what the study says is that you could reduce the workday from eight hours down to five and a half hours and not lose any productivity. What what this study says is that there's no difference in in the production of an 8-hour worker as opposed to a 5 and a half hour worker, right? You're going to get the same out of both workers yeah. because after 5 and a half, after somewhere between 5 and 6 hours, y- your productivity is gone. You're no longer a productive worker. I mean, they they found in this trial that that workers were organizing their time better and more efficiently. So that does make sense. So do you know if this came with any um, any change in work rules? Yeah, they, they eliminated some uh, coffee breaks and other kinds of breaks because of a shorter work day. Right. So the, the, the idea is, hey, it's a shorter day, so you don't need these breaks yeah. during the day. Yeah. You're going to work and then be done with work. Yeah. And some workers, I mean, because this was uh, done over many times, uh, types of jobs, museum workers, healthcare workers, uh, daycare workers, that, you know, the workers that needed to be there early, like daycare workers would do that, and then other workers. So, they, you know, there was a fluctuation in the schedule. Yeah. And listen, I think I think workers, a lot of workers anyway, would, would be in favor of this, right? The idea of reducing my workday, reducing the my shift length, um, I but be. eliminating a break, right? Yeah, and definitely, there's evidence right here at Sikorsky Aircraft of of that concept because we do have some third shifters who work a, a six hour shift with no lunch. Yes, right. So so right now, third shift officially is six and a half hours with a half hour meal break. Yeah. Um, there are some areas who have all agreed that, hey, we're going to work six 
give up our meal break. So now we're just working six hours and they're perfectly happy doing that. So, um, you know, there's, there's evidence that, that that works. There's, there's definitely discussion of shortening the work week in the United States. A bill was actually introduced in Congress to, uh, amend the Fair Labor Standards Act to a 32-hour work week in uh, four days of work. So that was that was introduced, I think, back in August. So it was very recent. Yeah. Um, very recent bill. Um, probably, and, and we're just looking at this now, so I don't know if it's even gone to committee in Congress, but, um, but the bill is there. It's been introduced by um, Representative Mark... Tacano of California calling for a 32 hour four day work week. Um, so let's keep our eye on that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That sounds pretty good. So again, the, the whole idea is the whole idea that behind all of this stuff throughout history and continuing today is to, is to, to find the right length of work day where, we as workers aren't getting burned out um, where we're remaining productive throughout the workday and where we have enough time to balance work and life. Yes. Right. We don't want to just work our lives away. Yeah. Um, other ways we can do that today, right, with, with our current structure is one way in particular is to use our vacation time. Right. Yes. We, we get paid time off. And, and I know that that that's an unequal distribution right now, depending on on how long you've been with the company. Um, that's how it works. Right. You start out with a little bit of vacation time and you end up if you're employed with the company for long enough, you end up with a bunch of vacation time. Yeah. But the concept remains the same to use your vacation time. Yes. Right. Use the entitlements that 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 were negotiated for you. Yes. Use it all. Yeah. Use it all. Um, you know, and, and we've traditionally had a little bit of a problem with that in our union that we, we have, we definitely have a bunch of folks who, who give back vacation time in favor of getting paid out for it. Um, you know, they feel like they're getting something extra, but in the long run they're losing, right? Because that work-life balance is really important to, to everything, to being productive, to maintaining, um, good mental health yes um to maintaining good physical health right so so there are things that that not using your vacation time affect right so if you're never taking time off if you're just working every day every week um this affects your health your happiness your family you're gonna get burnt out you're gonna get burnt out right so um you know if you ignore the vacation time and and work all year um, that's going to catch up with you physically, yes, mentally. It it's going to affect your physical and mental health. Um, and, and, and there are actually studies that support that idea, right? Um, studies show that you are at higher risk of stroke, cardiovascular disease, obesity, diabetes, insomnia, depression, anxiety, um, other, other stress-related illnesses, just by not taking that time off that that you need, you need that mentally and physically um, to recover from the work that we do on a daily basis. Yeah, slow and steady wins the race. It sounds tacky, but you got to think of it like your whole career. Um, you don't want to burn out when you're, you know, 40. Yeah. 
for sure. Um, I um I have a meme that's been flying around social media that I think really gets to the heart of this, and uh, it's I don't know who needs to hear this, but take your uh, your lunch break, your evenings, your weekends, your holidays, and your PTO. You agreed to a job in exchange for pay and benefits. You, you did not sign up to sell your soul in every moment of your personal time. Wow. I like it. And it's true. Listen, people get caught up in that big paycheck, right? Um, people work the extra overtime. They work through their lunch if they're offered to. Uh, they don't take their vacation time, and, and they, they take the payout instead. Um, and it's detrimental at the end of the day, right, yeah, or at absolutely. the end of the year or at the end of the decade, right? It's detrimental. Um, that money somehow gets spent. Right. I yeah. know that I got caught up in that years ago and worked worked a ton of overtime, worked weekends and got those big paychecks. And I'm going to tell you, I have I have nothing extra to show for it. Right. Yeah. That I, I made extra money and I spent extra I, money. I mean, I experienced that, too. I, I worked two jobs at one time and it ended up not being worth it. Yeah, it's not. So, OK, so I have a I have a 60 inch television rather than a 40 inch television. Yeah. Um, that's great. Um, and I'm, and, and I, I die of a stress related illness at an early age. Right. And, and maybe that's, um, you know, maybe that's alarmist and, 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 and dramatic, but, um, you know, it can be the reality, right? We have to take care of ourselves and, and that's why vacation time exists. That's why unions fought really hard for it. Um, so that people would have time with their families, time, that leisure time to spend with your family. So, so do that, right? I think that's yes, the. It's very important. I think that's the closing for us, right? Do that. T take the time that's afforded to you. the The money comes, right? Yes. We we have good jobs here, and um, you're making enough money in, in working minus your vacation yeah. time. I mean, right? you could always make money, but you cannot make more time. That's right. Time is more valuable yes, than money. Absolutely, it I, is. I, I believe that a hundred percent. So. Um, do we have a contest question? Yes. yes, we do. All right. What is it? So, what was the length of the work week established by the original, when, when the uh, Fair Labor Standards Act in 1938 was originally passed? So the, the, the length of the work week established by the 1938 Fair Labor Standards Act. Um, that's the question. Send us your answers to comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. We'll take all the correct answers. We'll put them in a hat. We'll mix them up. We'll pick one out, and you'll win some cool local 1150 stuff. So that's it. Use your vacation time. Get involved with your union. Yes, come to a Come to a membership meeting. Have an awesome chicken sandwich cheeseburger steak sandwich. veggie burger and, uh, and yeah veggie burger <laughs> for um, our, our vegetarians and vegans listen call ahead if you're looking for a veggie burger because they bring one for Vinny, and that's all um so if you're going to want a veggie burger call ahead because they're going to have to bring two yeah but seriously october 20th is the next membership meeting so put it on your calendar make sure you come down check it out absolutely, absolutely. ask your questions let's talk about alternate work week at, at the next membership meeting um, and, and see where that goes. But uh, once again, thank you for downloading. Thank you for following. Remember to follow. If you're not following us now, follow the podcast. Go to Podbean and follow us or listen to us um, on our website or on all of the other uh, 
the other places where you get your podcasts. Thank you. We appreciate you being here with us. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And we're here with Jason Shoemaker, the Statman. Statman. We appreciate it, and we'll see you next time.